I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no. Hey guys, welcome back to the Truth For Youth podcast. This is part two of my interview with Heath Evans. So if you haven't listened to part one, be sure you do that. We're going to pick back up the conversation where Heath is talking about his faith journey and his pursuit of Jesus. Enjoy. All right, so it's talking about the faith journey. So things, you, you retire, you go to the NFL Network, you're an, an analyst there with the NFL Network, and then something happened there, right? That kind of cost another roller coaster in the faith journey. And again, for us that have been Christians for any period of time, there's ups and downs and we're not always great. We're not always, you know, on the mountaintop. You know, I tell the students this all the time. We go to camp, we're on the mountaintop. Things are great. It's perfect. We come down off the mountaintop. Life hits us. It's the temptations. It's other things that hit us. And we're going through that struggle. But that's kind of the journey of our walk. So, so kind of what happened there at the NFL Network? Well, it, um, it's kind of a, what's the Cliff Notes version? Cliff Notes version is I get out here in 2011, um, and I personally threw a knee injury, and then growing bitter with my ex-wife, um, ended up walking into adultery in 2011. Um, I was about a five-month period of my life. Um, God quickly opened my eyes to the blindness of my sin and the blindness of the reality that I had walked in. Um, was able to confess that to my ex-wife. Uh, needless to say, after a couple of years of trying to work it out, um, she ended up deciding to leave. Um, and so I go through a healing process where I, I, I had, was able to confess my sin and walked with God very closely for a couple of years. And then, you know, 2015, um, you think you're healed from a divorce. You, you think that you've kind of gotten over it all. And then it's this gradual slide of bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and ease of life. Sometimes my life was very blessed in a lot of ways. And, um, I chose to, to, to walk away from, from God again. Uh, was it overnight? No, it was actually over the period of about nine months. I mean, I look back in my, my quiet time journals and I, I see different prayers and I see this heart slide. Um, and so, um, shortly after my divorce, we had a, a young lady, um, at NFL network that had sent me a picture one night. And I, I returned the picture of, of something of myself. Three years goes by. We were best friends. This lady had um, babysitted my daughters. Um, after she was fired from NFL Network, I got her work. We texted all the time. Um, she was family. Um, and uh, 2017, I think, she tried to sue the NFL for wrongful termination. Her case got tossed out of court for no merit. Uh, the Me Too movement gained steam about six or seven months later. She files the same lawsuit with uh, 15 John Doe names um, that she said sexually harassed her. Mm. Well, I was one of those 15. Um, the NFL called me in right away to HR. I gave them all the text, all the pictures. I gave them everything to show that uh, this woman and I had a, a mutual friendship, never had any type of sexual relationship of any kind, but I was honest with them about our one-time exchange of a picture. Um, they paid me almost half a million dollars over nine months to be quiet and help them formulate a, a case against this woman. After they got a settlement with this woman, they asked me to go away quietly. Um, they weren't going to fire me. Uh, they wanted me to sign non-disparagement agreements covering the NFL and covering my accuser. Um, they were wanting to uh, pay out a financial settlement to get me to go away peacefully and quietly so it wouldn't 
ripple the waters any more of the embarrassment that the league had already suffered at the hands of this lady. Um, again, I'll say clearly, I don't know about all the other men. Right. Um, I just know that um, there was a reason the NFL paid me as much money as they paid me for nine months. They flew me to New York um, to uh, testify, to give them all my information. Um, they used me and it was hurtful. Um, morally before God, I had done something wrong. I shouldn't have sent the picture that I sent back in exchange of her picture. Um, in corporate America, I had done nothing wrong. I broke no rules. I've never sexually harassed anyone. I've never laid my hand on a woman. I've never even disrespected a woman in that manner. Um, but uh, the NFL ended up firing me. And, and so talk about public shame. And, um, and it wasn't just national. I mean, listen, I had, by the grace of God, built a strong reputation in the NFL analyst community. I wasn't the Hall of Fame player. Um, I was a guy that worked hard and um, did a really good job with the gifts that God had given me. Mm. And so, um, but here's the goodness of God. <laughs> People see that story <clears throat> as tragic and a reason to be angry and a reason to be bitter and to get right and get after people and to get back through heartbreak, which only makes sense in God's economy. Yeah. Again, reposition my heart to fall in love with him and to see his goodness and his kindness <coughs> and his perfect plan for my life. Um, and people will all be like, Hey, Heath, are you saying that this is what God set up? I'm saying, I don't know. I just know that people give all these Satan does this, Satan does that. I'm like, I was dead in my sin. I was far from God. I was not walking in obedience. I was not walking in holiness. I was not walking in humility. I was not walking in anything that reflected the love of God. So why would Satan ever thwart something that was leading me to a path of eternal hell and damnation? I believe, but God, as we see all throughout scripture, Jonah was wandering. He gets him thrown off a boat in the middle of the ocean because he was going the wrong way. Where'd that whale throw him up? It threw him up on the shore of Nineveh where he was supposed to be all the time. I believe the whale of the NFL network, all that nonsense threw me up on the shores of right where I was supposed to be. Mm. Um, God has so repositioned my heart. I can't get enough of his word. I can't get enough of telling people about his love and his saving grace. And so I'm, I'm thankful for false sexual harassment allegations. I'm thankful for being fired from the NFL. I'm thankful that God even asked me, I had, God had literally hand wrapped the greatest lawyer in the country um, to help me sue the NFL. And, and God asked me, are, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to trust man? Oh, and then very specifically in his word, he asked me to drop my lawsuit. He asked me to drop my defense of myself. And he asked me, he said, very, very clearly in scripture, are you going to trust me to rebuild something that no man could tear down? And so I had a very lucrative case against the NFL, one that would have, in my mind, I was fighting for every man that was ever going to be sexually, falsely accused of yep. anything sexually. But God said, I've got different plans. And so I was immediately confronted. Am I going to trust God or am I, am I going to trust Heath? And so by the grace of God, he gave me the strength to trust him. And that's been about two years ago. And it has been a slow rebuild and I still have no idea what God is doing or how he's going to do it, <laughs> but I know he has rescued and saved my soul. And so through great turmoil and great trials and through being falsely accused, just like Jesus and um, being uh, embarrassed and everything else, God's been smack dab in the middle of it. And um, I've been blessed enough through the power of God to, to suffer well up to this point. And I plan on doing the same. 
And I don't know where my testimony is going to go. And I don't know who the testimony God's given me, who it's going to impact. Um, but I do know that, that God's rescue plan um, was in full swing for, for Heath Evans. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Man, people, if you're not getting value out of this, something is wrong with you. I mean, what an amazing testimony of God's goodness, God's grace, God's purpose, God's plan for those who love him. And that's a, that's a passage that some people get, you know, construed, misconstrued. Oh, well, you know, everything works out the good for everybody. No, no, it talks about the good of those who love him. You know, despite all this, look, we, we're all going to sin. We all fall short. I do it every single day. No. But despite that, because we still love God, God still loves, he loves us regardless, but he still wants to do good through us. And he uses these situations. And the fact that Heath had to go through what he went through, I mean, yes, some of that's consequences of actions, but he's yeah. also being able to use this as a testimony and how strong that has made his faith. Guys, I've seen he grown so much spiritually over the last couple of years, and he's become so much more bolder. And, and I, I've seen God increase his, his platform in a different way, as whereas before it was the NFL and NFL Network. And now it's this new platform, and he's, he's doing more business coaching. He's created this amazing ministry, which he'll talk about here in just a little bit. And so God has used this for his good and his purpose. But I want you young people to understand you're probably going to mess up in life, okay? You're probably going to make mistakes, but you can't just give up and throw your hands up and say, oh, well, I guess that was it. No, you, you have to get back right with God, trust God, trust the purpose, trust the plan, and see that God can even use those bad things for his glory and for his honor. And because faith, uh, or Heath remained faithful and remained focused on Jesus, God continued to mold him. He's making him more and more like Jesus. And I, and I, I don't want to speak for Heath, but I guarantee he's more like Jesus today than he was then and had things continued to go great. Like he said, I mean, who knows where he would have ended up, but, but now God has used him in an amazing way. Um, so since that, okay, well, first of all, we kind of skipped over, but you kind of made reference. So he, you have two daughters, uh, yeah. Ava, no, 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 Naomi, <laughs> no, Naomi. I just want to say, no, I mean, Naomi. Now, how, what are their ages? They're teenagers, 16 and 13. Yep. 16 and 13. So getting to, to raise teenage daughters, you obviously, you know, were able to incorporate some truth in their life. And now just recently you, you married right? I am. Yep. to Christine. I am. God, God gave me a gracious gift of uh, a God fearing, um, bold servant leader. And, and listen, she's a, um, listen, we're only five plus weeks into this, but she is an amazing helpmate. Um, she is humble. She knows when to be boss. She knows when to lead. She knows when to be led. Um, she knows when to say, I'm sorry. She knows when to hit me over the head with a two by four when I'm not um, <laughs> operating in the Holy Spirit the way I should. Um, she's been a, a very gracious gift uh, to our family. And, and so what we're excited to see what the future holds. Um, and so the, the timing of even, it's just, it's, it's a whole nother podcast story of, of just having an idea of where you think God is leading and God's saying, nah, that ain't happening a bit. This is what I got, you know? And so, um, God just, when we position ourselves daily at the foot of his cross, which is basically staying in his word and on our knees, just watch out. Cause he will, he's not going to let you mess it up. And, and that is, 
the beauty of our relationship. And truth is, even when we are messing it up, he's still going to rectify because that's what he does. He did it for King David. He did it for Samson. He did it for Moses. He did it for Noah. Listen, Stephen got stoned and he still did it for Stephen. He did it for Saul that became Paul, Timothy, you name it. Every story, it's God's rescue plan. It's all God. It's his love, his graciousness, his forgiveness. And then we get to play some minuscule part of being like, all right, I throw in the towel, take me, God. You know, and, and that's and I, that's kind of what I chalk it up to these days, you know, because God is so big and so grand in my mind. I just refuse to take credit for anything because twice I've been stuck in a pit and could not and didn't want to get myself out. But God, and I'll never take an ounce of responsibility or credit for those repentant moments that walked me back into the grace and love of God's arms. And um, that's what I'm going to, that's what my life's going to stand for until the day I kick the bucket. Hopefully I've got quite a few more years to do that for Ava and Naomi um, and for whatever else he's got for me. All right. So speaking of your daughters, what, what are some of those truths? I mean, we've been speaking all sorts of biblical truth throughout your testimony, but what are the ones that right now are, are kind of those that you're really trying to instill in them as teenagers? You know, what do you want them to really grasp and, and kind of, you know, take ownership of right now? Yeah. We don't quit. You ask either Ava or Naomi, Evans don't, they'll be like, quit. Quitting is a much easier habit to develop than winning. I, I believe as children of God, he promises us that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Never quit. He's got us. Every day, every battle, every argument, every disagreement, every day of emotional stress or strain, every day of, God, why'd my mom and dad have to get divorced? Whatever it is, God has a promise through his word for his kids. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. That'd be the one thing that I don't, that I'm going to drive home. We don't quit. We will find a way through the power of God. Um, second thing that comes to mind is I tell Ava and Naomi all the time that, girls, if I can make you physically and mentally tough based on the truth of God's word, you're going to rule the world <laughs> because we're, you're growing up in a, a society of cupcakes. Yeah. People can't tell themselves no. They can't discipline themselves. Um, they, don't, they, they don't have um, the ability to choose what is wise for the long term instead of what is pleasurable in the moment. Um, our, our parents aren't disciplining, so then our kids aren't um, disciplined. The, the things that make us the husbands we are, the fathers we are, the business people we are, is because we have disciplined, been developed in us. So we know how to tell ourselves no. We know how to choose um, great over good. Um, and then probably the third thing and probably the most important thing is what does Jesus say? Not what do people say Jesus said? I was reading to the girls last night, so many different, and I, and I, I posted on my Instagram yesterday. I hear a lot of pastors teaching their version of who they think Jesus is. I see very few pastors or teachers of the word teaching or preaching the teachings of Jesus. His words, if you put yourself in, in that, that setting, they were so controversial. And I always picture him saying them very calm and cool and collect in most parts, but they were so, they were argumentative. 
they, they were, um, they were divisive. They were offensive. Now, was he any of those things? No, he was a truth teller, but because of our own sinful heart, we hear those things and we naturally want to reject them outside of God, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so I'm constantly pointing the girls back to what did Jesus say? What does the word of God say? If you hear something, rectify it with the truth of God's word, because in human good intent, I think people are trying to soften the message of God to make him more palatable. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the only thing that sets a heart free is the Holy Spirit. The only thing that sets a heart free is God Almighty. The only souls that Jesus came to collect out of his own mouth were the ones that his father had given him. And so therefore, why would we ever change a message? Why would we ever soften the blow of scripture when the word of God is the only thing that has the power of God to change hearts and minds? And so I was telling the girls last night, are are we, Jesus literally told John the Baptist in, 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 in Luke seven, his Luke, you know, John is is in prison and he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus. Hey, are you really the Messiah? And and Jesus doesn't even answer him. He just tells his disciples, hey, tell your boy John the Baptist, don't be offended on the the account of me. And then when the, the messengers leave, then he turns to the audience that's still there and tells them everything that John wanted to know. Jesus, why'd you do that? I don't know. He's Jesus. But Jesus's words were were perfect and they were loving and they were kind um, and they were clear enough for all of us to surrender and bow the knee to. Um, and so I'm teaching my girls to rectify everything on the word of God. It has stood the test of time for seven, 8,000 years. You know, uh, what, what the reformers went through to, um, to save the word of God, what God supplied in the way of personality for certain men and women to see that the true Christian Bible um, got to see another day so that you and I can read it and study it. Man, these people were willing to lay down their lives because this word is powerful and it's pure. Um, Our whole dating system is based off this man, Jesus. I love it, man, because Jesus is always spitting in people's face. And and that's my aggressive term because I'm an aggressive male. But like when, when, when we hear Jesus say that, you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that, that Jesus is Lord. Like we, we think about it in, in light of eternity. But every single day, every nation across the whole world bows a knee to the calendar that was set on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone's already bowing the knee. You don't form a calendar off a hoax. You don't form a calendar off a of Jesus that didn't raise from the dead. You don't form a calendar off a man who didn't do everything he said he was going to do and raise the dead and heal the blind and heal the sick. He was Jesus. He is Jesus. He is forever Jesus, and he will forever be the answer. And so I am teaching my girls, go to the word. Not what does daddy say? What does not a pastor say? What does God's word say? Because God's word is the only thing that sets us free. Mm. So true. So true. So you know, one of the things that's frustrating as a youth pastor, I've seen many students who I would say were strong Christians. They were like leaders in my youth groups in Alabama um, and even maybe here. And they seem to be going in the right direction. They seem to be super strong Christians. And next thing you know, they get to college or they become adults. And now they're living a lifestyle completely contrary to what Jesus says. 
and some of them are still claiming Christianity or God. And it's like you were saying, like, what are you twisting? What are you, what are you making it where it's palatable for you so that you can justify your actions and your, your lifestyle to fit and still think you're acceptable in God's eyes. And for me, that that's heartbreaking when I see that and I try my hardest to, to help instill these truths, what would you tell young people right now so they don't make that mistake? I mean, you're telling them right now that you go to God, right? You don't go to because your pastor said it, because your parents said it. What truth could you help them to understand, to grasp so that they, they don't veer off when they get to college and other people are like, oh, that's not the only way. You know, earlier you're talking about these other gods. They're not, they're not the true God. What are some truths or, or some advice maybe that you could give young people so that they stay the path and they don't get maybe things twisted by the world or our friend or another religion? What kind of advice would you we give those? Exactly what the scripture tells us to. Paul gives us such clear-cut example of how to handle those in the church that are wandering from faith. And I'm so thankful for those men and women and a mom and dad that clearly brought me the word of God in my season of sinfulness and rebellion against God. Because I knew um, <laughs> I was blind in my sin, but I was always steady vision enough to know that what they were saying was truthful. And so I never really took it as offense. I took it as love. Now that's only what God does in our heart. But I would go to that person that claims Christ and I would take him the, the teachings of church discipline. I would go to them one-on-one -on -one in love and I would bear with them in kindness, knowing that I too potentially one day could fall. But I would challenge them with the word of God. If it was sexual immorality that they were struggling with, um, I would challenge them with the 50 plus verses all throughout the New Testament that say the sexual immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is nothing to dabble with. And that that sexual sin is a sin against our body. And it's one that Satan most revels in because it destroys our identity. Most importantly, of who we can potentially see ourselves to be because of Jesus. If they were struggling with alcohol or just not going to church, I would take them the word of God of what God says, not what I think. And I would, again, I would go to them in loving caution one-on-one -on -one at first. And then if they reject it, I would go with a few more, just like the Bible says we should. And if they reject it, I would literally, now knowing the way I know the Bible, I would take a pastor and I would say, hey, listen, your church membership, um, your, your claim, like we are disavowing not, not because we don't love you, not because we don't, because God's word says that this just might bring you into repentance. And so the only reason I wouldn't do that is because of my pride, because I don't want to feel the rejection that could potentially come from that person. I don't want to be looked at at other people in the church. Like, oh, Heath was so judgmental. Well, in the eyes of God, going before that person, humbly bringing them the word with my brothers and sisters with me, that's what God demands that we do as a body of Christ. That church discipline was rightfully put in place in scripture so that people would be pushed to a position where they may repent, just like God's word said. It's not to hurt them, it's to help them. But we don't want to feel that potential rejection by obeying the word of God. And so we don't. We don't act in, in the accordance of the very simple stuff that Paul precisely laid out for us. 
And so I think about that question much more about what would I do? Because nothing I ever say truly has any power to change a wandering heart. But when I take the word of God, I honor God and at least give him the ability to to use me or, or not use me. But I know that I glorify God in that action. And so I had a lot of people that in my days of, of blindness towards sin and lost, <laughs> maybe even dying and going to hell three years ago. I don't know. Only God knows. I am so thankful that they brought the word to me. I'm so thankful that they moved in hard obedience to take the chance to offend me, to bring me truth. Now, did I change? No, God changed me by allowing me to get fired or purposing me to get fired. I don't know. I don't even freaking care. I just know he set my heart free through a disastrous season of life. And I'm thankful for it. And so um, I'm always going to look at it. What does God's word say? God's word is very clear on church discipline. And I believe we'd have a lot more Christians walk in repentance if other God-fearing Christians would walk in obedience. We're, we're, we're so scared of rejection. Jesus's life was a life of rejection. Yeah. It still is. Few find the path that you and I are on, Micah. Few find it. Many find that other path. Okay. And so to God be the glory, we're on it. To God be the glory for a saving plan. Let's expand that saving plan by the grace and mercy of God by fulfilling his word, taking God's word at the serious nature that it demands. God, I don't understand. It's going to hurt going to Micah and telling him that I'm literally going to bring two or three brothers with me next time if he doesn't get his life right with you. God, but I'm going to obey your word because I had men do that to me hmm. and I'm thankful for it. Wow. And that's, that's good. That's strong. Thanks. Thanks for uh, your intake, your input on that. All right. So talking about building men and talking about, you know, spreading the word, let's talk about your new ministry that you've created this built ready and built ready for men, the belongings. It's a ministry that you've kind of created. I'll call it a ministry. I don't know if you're calling it a ministry, but, but tell, them, tell everybody a little bit about what that is. Built ready. Um, mastering manhood together with a bunch of men. Um, yes, it is a ministry. Uh, I'm going to be really honest. I use the NFL, I use weights and fitness and anything else to, to get people to the cause of Christ. Um, we have 10 declarations, and I'm not going to put Micah on the spot, even though he's one of my proud, <laughs> proud members. You know, the first one is, we are workout warriors. God made us to work. We are men. We are supposed to sacrifice. We're supposed to discipline ourselves. We're meant to be hunters. Um, I know we all have different dispositions and different qualities, but God's word is very impactful about who men are supposed to be. Um, the second one is, we are healthy. Um, yes, that's food. Yes, that's water. Um, but that is biblical mindset, um, which leads into number three is we are truth seekers. Our day and age says live your truth. Man, I don't know the truth. I, God is the truth. And so I welcome men of all faiths, agnostics, atheists, whatever. I tell them, hey, you belong here. You're welcome here. You don't have to believe like me. You don't have to think like me. You don't have to act like me. But we're going to seek the truth of God's word. And you can choose to ignore all this and just take the great workouts because we're going to give you killer workouts. Um, you all follow Micah. He's constantly on social media with one of the boys working out, putting yeah. it up on them sometimes. But the third one is we are truth seekers and we are seeking the truth of, of God. Number four is we are transparent. Men love hiding in our sin, hiding in our shame. We're going to be transparent with who and what we are based on the word of God. Cause we believe um, that as James says, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to, to forgive us. But 
it's also where the freedom is. As we confess our sins one to another, that's where the healing lies. So we're going to be transparent with everything that we are, fears, insecurities, our failures, you name it. After transparency, we are accountable. We've got to be held accountable, yes, to the standard of God's word, but to each other. We, we were built to do life together. Number six is we are honoring. Why do men struggle to praise and build up and encourage other men? Why as husbands do we do we find it hard to, to build up our children, to be intentional with our words, to, to breathe life into our wives and our kids, to our coworkers, to people we go to church with? It's not natural. I want our men to get comfortable being uncomfortable until the uncomfortable becomes comfortable. Obedience is never comfortable at first, but over time it becomes something of comfort. And that's what I want for our men. I want them to be comforted in truth. The truth that we preach at Built Ready has power. And so as we honor um, that will turn into generosity. We're going to be, we are generous. We're going to be generous with our time, generous with our finances, generous with our resources, generous with our prayers. We are just going to be generous men. Again, all based on the truth of God's word. Number eight is um, we are planners. We're going to be planned out to the T. Um, my daily schedule is mapped out. Do I ever really master it? No, but I have a vision of how the day is going to work and how the week's going to go. And Listen, most of the time it's, it's, it's shot to crap by 10 a.m. There was a plan and I get better at it here and there. And then we know with life with daughters and wives and dogs and people getting sick, stuff just happens. But we are planners. We're going to be meticulously planned out. And then we are disciplined as number nine. We're going to be disciplined to do all these things that, that we're, we're focusing on. We have the vision for. And the number 10 is the tricky one. We are rested. And yes, we're going to honor a Sabbath day. Yes, we're going to take on the Chick-fil-A motto that they stole from Scripture. Of, we believe we can do more in six days than anybody else can do in seven because it's God's word. But we can work like dogs 18, 20 hours a day and still be rested in Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so our foundational truth, number 10, could have been number one because ultimately what men are looking for, I've been blessed to speak to some of the wealthiest men in the world, some of those powerful CEOs, they have no rest. They have no peace. And those are the two things that the word of God promises for those who will, in return for God's free gift, sacrifice, give our lives back to him. And so um, I want our men to be rested. And so our 10th decor declaration is we are rested. Uh, we have daily workouts. We have daily Bible readings. Um, it is all under the facade of getting men to the loving, gracious, kind, forgiving arms of Jesus, period, the end. Yeah, it's a, it's a great community. So I encourage you young guys, if you're interested or dads that are listening to this or young young men listening to this, go check it out. It, it is builtready.com. You can learn a little bit more about it. And it's a, it's a fun program. It's amazing. You'll see guys on there. There's a Facebook group page. He's constantly very active on the Instagram page as well as um, you, you know, through the text messages or zoom calls or whatever. I mean, he's, he's very active and it's, it's a neat group of men that do not have life perfected, which no. none of us do. So it's, it's a bunch of men just trying to figure out how can we hold each other accountable? How can we grow? How can we encourage one another? And how can we grow, uh, closer to Jesus and closer to one another? Like, like Heath was saying through his declarations, um, so I encourage you guys, you don't have to be a certain age, right? Heath, it doesn't matter if they're you know, 16, 17 year old. We've got, we've got 14. Listen, I'm looking for captains of the ship. Micah, you, you've called me an entrepreneur multiple times. <laughs> I need to quit lying to your audience. Maybe by title I am. Listen, I, I am a lover of Jesus. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a football knucklehead. Um, I love the word of God, but it kind of stops there. My, my gifts and talents kind of run out there. Um, and so 
Um, but what I can tell you, you know, Mike has been a part of this. You know, I got three different stories. You know, uh, one guy is, you know, literally confessed a pornography addiction, um, had thought of killing himself. We've seen God just completely dramatically change his life, his family. He's an amazing, he's become an amazing father. I mean, just awesome, awesome, awesome. We had another guy that was addicted to drugs, 50 plus pounds overweight. Um, what God's done in my man's life in the last six or seven months, I mean, just outstanding. Um, the last guy that comes to mind had to confess an affair to his wife and to watch God, his grace and mercy. Hmm. When we just get obedient, this man's wife has chosen to forgive him, has hmm. chosen to walk through this with him. And I see these guys that knew very little about God and they've just seen the gracious, merciful hand of God in ways that I've never even seen it. And so we have stories where men, if you're watching this, like I don't have it all together. Neither do I. Yeah. And y'all know Micah way better than you know me. Neither does he. You no, know the humility absolutely. that he confesses. And so, men, don't think for a second um, that you don't belong. Men, those 10 declarations I stole from God. <laughs> those were his words, his commands to his men. And so we do this together. Yes, there's a small monthly fee. It started at $4 a month. What I realized was being well-intended. I didn't want anyone not to be kept out because of financial means. Um, scripture talks about um, having skin in the game, like having an investment. And so, uh, you know, we're now at $27 a month. You get the best workout money can buy. If you do it, you will be in phenomenal shape. Um, there is variations that are coming. Um, we have two diet plans that are getting ready to be added here in the next 15 days. Um, we are building and I want to build a monster. You know, Micah and I met, um, I think it was my freshman year at Auburn when I was done with the football workouts and I was running stadium stairs because I wanted to outwork everyone. I don't necessarily know how to work in the entrepreneur world because I don't even know what we're building. I'm just letting God do it. But I've got big visions, big plans, but men, you belong. You need a community of men to confess into. You need a community of men to do life with. You need a community of men to pray for you and to pray with. Um, you need encouragement. You need a punch in the face at times. You, we all need it. And so um, that what, that's what is the vision of Built Red. Yeah. And guys, if you couldn't tell, he's a little bit passionate about men and building a godly man in all capacity, the physical, uh, from the eating to the workouts to the spiritual. I mean, that's, that's what God's called Heath to do at this moment. And he's very, very passionate about it. And he puts a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy into it. And uh, it's very beneficial. And, and this is still the ground floor. I know um, God is going to do amazing things through this already has, you know, he's already had great stories and I've seen some of those guys on uh, Facebook posting and talking in, in video chats. And it's, it's really amazing what God's doing through this and through he, so we're going to continue to, to encourage that and promote that and, and ask God's blessing upon that. Well, Heath, I, I really do appreciate your time, man. I know you're a super busy dude, father, husband, entrepreneur, <laughs> whether you, whether you want to claim that or not, um, you are. And I, I really do appreciate, appreciate your truths that it, they're not Heath's truths. They're, they're Jesus's truths that Heath has been living out. And look, like we've been saying through this whole podcast, it's not about, you know, having all these things mastered and perfected. It's about constantly striving. You know, Heath, Heath was saying he's really trying to instill never quitting. That's what the Christian faith is. It's a marathon. It's a perseverance. It's crossing the finish line through all sorts of obstacles and trials and tribulations. And you're going to have ups and downs. 
I wish Jesus said, hey, when you become a Christian, it's going to be easy. You're going to have everything, but it's right the opposite. You become a Christian, you're going to have difficult times. You're going to have hard hardships. You're going to have pain. You're going to have discomfort. The world's going to criticize you. The world's going to make fun of you, perhaps, and you've got to persevere to the end. And we know uh, we're going to go back to the sports analogy. Hey, we're on the winning team. We, we are the Super Bowl champs. We're no, going to have not. a tough... Hey, we're going to have a tough season. We may lose a lot of games. We may get hurt and crippled, but guess what? We're getting the ring at the end, baby. We are the Super Bowl champs. We just got to finish the season. So, so young people, stay with it. Keep persevering. Heath, appreciate you guys. Make sure you're following him um, on social media as well. He's always posting, you know, great scripture passages or something motivational, something usually promoting Jesus. Uh, So I appreciate your witness. Appreciate your friendship, Heath. And guys, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Until then, bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we...